0: we yeah. yeah. Hollywood, and welcome to the Greatest Show on Grass podcast. I'm your host and ringmaster, Joshua Newman, and I'm joined today by Tanisha Singleton. The Greatest Show on Grass explores the past, present, and future of the recently reborn Los Angeles Rams. Today we'll discuss episode four of HBO's Hard Knocks, but first, let's talk about last week's game against the Denver Broncos. Tanisha, what did you think of uh, Jared Goff's performance?
1: was not memorable it wasn't uh exactly what I think you want to see at this point we're getting closer to curtain call yeah and he was what was it four for twelve um forty some yards and that
0: pick six almost I mean
1: almost was, yeah there weren't any like significant giant turnovers I think there were a couple of fumbles uh, not necessarily from him but just from the offense in general but it it didn't seem like he had as strong of a command as I would hope that you would have at this point when you're getting closer and you're getting first team reps this time so yeah. this what are you going to do how many more dress rehearsals uh are you going to need necessarily but everybody's allowed to have like that stinker every you know I, I think he's afforded that Um, he's a rookie he's going to be able to have those okay well it's his first go round it's it's gonna be it's gonna be okay Uh, we still have some more time I didn't Um, think he looked
0: worse than the prior games I thought he maybe looked a little bit more comfortable in the pocket um
1: I think there were some positive things to take away from that. Yeah. Absolutely, uh, I think his communication is getting a little bit better. I think yeah. some of his decisions were absolutely uh, a little bit better. Um, some of those too, I think, were just drop balls. Yeah,
0: the receivers. The real crisis is wide receiver, right? Like, you know, everybody's focused on quarterback and how are we going to go in with Case Keenum as the first quarterback and. And Jared Goff, when will he be ready? And
1: that's the hard part when you just look at stats. It's just like and the receivers are just yeah. not
0: that It's like none of them are that good. Like, and then they just signed Tavon Austin right. as if he was that good,
1: right? Um, giving he him got legit um, money,
0: yeah. 12th highest paid receiver in the league now. Um, when he's never caught 500 yards receiving in a, in a year, um, sort of. Jeff Fisher, I think, called it like uh, banking on his potential in the future. Mm-hmm. It's it's a highly speculative play. Um, I don't see him developing into a number one receiver. I like him. Mm-hmm. I think he's a great kind of gadget type player, punt returner, kick returner. Turner uh, reverses, but not a go to. An occasional screen here and an and occasional like handoff out of the backfield.
1: Because this essentially makes not. him that primary target. Like, this, is this guy going to be your go to when you know you need to catch, you know you need to make a play, and you're going to be banking on a rookie delivering that one? And two, you've got someone that you're banking on quote potential yeah. as opposed to evidence. I don't
0: have a problem if they want to pay a gadget. Oh, sure back that yeah. much money. I have no problem if they want to say that you know uh, this player has this value to our team. I don't even have a problem if they are speculating that he will have this value to the team. I just have a problem if they're saying he will have this value to the team as a number 1 receiver because he's simply not big enough. He's simply not uh yeah, he's not a big enough target. He hasn't shown um, enough understanding of of getting open um
1: mm-hmm. in sp-
0: and getting into sp- fi- getting himself in space. It's always the coach's fault that they're not designing right. plays to get him in space. Um, you know, a truly great receiver, you know. you'll
1: make your own space. yeah, yeah,
0: I mean, uh, other things out of that game that caught your eye?
1: Well, it's, in, it's interesting that uh, they started off pretty well, you know, um, with Keenum. I mean, the, at halftime, I know it was 9 to 10. Um, but looking at the game on paper, they had they had possession longer for about five more minutes. They had just about uh, 29 uh, less total yards um, and 14 to 16 in terms of first downs. And so I'm seeing they're they're right there. They're even, yeah. you know? And so that's what we kind of expected, I think, going into in terms of their Denver performance. Denver didn't look sharp either. No. Yeah. I mean, and there they, was that
0: whole, you know, we were talking about Goff versus Paxton Lynch. Right. And, like, neither of them looked sharp. Um, Denver definitely looked discombobulated on, on, on
1: offense. It wasn't mm-hmm. just the
0: Rams. So, yeah, I mean, these games are, you know, we have one more game. It's against Minnesota. Um,
1: and they had some terrible news just come out. Yes. It's against
0: the— post Teddy Bridgewater Vikings. Um, and I don't know, I think we're going to see, we'll see it probably going to be a lot like that second half of that last game with a lot of guys you haven't heard of getting Mm -hmm. playing time, trying to earn roster spots, guys on the bubble, trying to, Mm -hmm. you know, not be on the bubble. Mm -hmm. Um, I think, um, cornerback and wide receiver are going to be positions that I'm really looking at. Um, Mm -hmm. Nelson's Bruce, hopefully coming back from that knee injury, mm-hmm. really, really want him to make the team. God, yeah. yeah, I mean, they haven't cut any wide receivers yet, and they've barely cut any cornerbacks. So, I mean, I think there's better competition at cornerback. There are better options at cornerback and wide receiver. It's really open right mm-hmm. now. I mean, I mean Brian Quick, um, how many chances is he going to get to make this team? I really hope um you know if he makes it fine but the guy I really want the really, guy I really want on this team is Nelson Spruce he's the one that I think really knows how to play the position and can really add something new um so that that'll be uh something that I'm watching you? out for sure um so they've already gone down
1: um, to about 70
0: they're at 75 now mm-hmm. they they made 15 cuts not nobody really that notable um and then by our next podcast so Saturday after that Vikings game they have to get down to 53 and that's where the really tough decisions yeah. are going to be i wonder if kush makes it
1: yeah i hope so <laughs> i really do just that's you know that's that's the funny part about this is that you get you get drawn into these characters and these people and well, one of the characters that america has been fascinated with oh,
0: God. in the, uh, this past week um was Colin Kaepernick.
1: Yeah, he's um, been trending uh, on one of the trending topics of conversation and not necessarily for his quarterback play.
0: In case you were, you were under a rock, he is the quarterback of the San Francisco 49ers who didn't stand for the Star Spangled Banner to, pr- to protest um, racial inequality and uh, police brutality and kind of caused an uproar and a huge conversation about race relations in, in the U.S. Right. Um, what's your What's your hot take on Kaepernick?
1: <sighs> the statement that Colin made um, after being asked about uh, not standing for the national anthem is he said, quote, I'm not going to stand up to show pride in a flag for a country that oppresses black people and people of color. To me, this is bigger than football, and it would be selfish on my part to look at it any other way. There are bodies in the street and people getting paid to leave and getting away with murder. Um, that was a quote um, from Colin after this. And again, it, it raises a lot more questions. At first, I was like, good for him. Yeah. Good for him for taking a stand. Yeah. Then I started thinking about it more and more and more. And I was like, well, wait, where were you all summer then? Where where is this coming from? What is your motivation in doing this? Well,
0: apparently he's been. I mean, you look back at his social media. People are noticing these breadcrumbs that that's he was that's started, true. He has been
1: leaving. Trial, yeah,
0: talking about race has been talking about social justice. Um,
1: it's just one of the things uh, that I know people don't like talking about, but it's one of those things that is still valid and and, and can't be necessarily ruled out. Is that. Is he trying to do this to save his job? Oh, if he, I don't know about that. Is he trying to do that? I think if this? anything,
0: it's going to cost him his job. That's for me why I think this is, I think it's a lot more courageous than many people are giving him credit for because he really stands to lose something. And if you think about all this kind of sports, social activism in the last couple of years, um, a lot of it is just like superstars tweeting photos of, you know, Muhammad Ali. Um, this is a big deal. He is, there's no, he has an $11.9 million contract this year, and there's no certainty that he even makes the team. Exactly. Um, so, this is, he stands to lose a lot, uh, by doing this.
1: But would he be raising his public stock in doing that? And it's among some people, certainly. Yeah. Right. And it's, it's well, for interesting. For me, he,
0: he, for me, he has, um,
1: it it brought up to me one of the other questions that I thought of was like all right well we'd be naive to think that people don't use negative news to promote themselves that just is politics that's just news like what people will always like like what Trump did with Dwayne Wade's cousins uh a cousin that was killed um in Chicago where yep. he's from and using that as a stance for like a, a new campaign and us just using news and concentrating on the negative side of things in order to promote themselves. Um is this one of those pos- is this one of those situations? I don't know. It it can seem like that. Those are some of the comments that I've been told or that I've been reading on social media and it's just interesting because is this a subconscious way for Colin to kind of position himself back into the limelight? and because lately we haven't been talking about him at all like you just said like he lost sure. his, his he he lost his starting job to Blaine right. Right. so and at this point he was trying to get his way out of of out of the 49ers for a long time like he's made it kind I, of
0: i doubt his agent is telling him that this was a good move i don't think <laughs> yeah i don't
1: think that there's a way that that he's blatantly going muha ha ha i'm going to do this to completely try and uh do this uh as a as a public image repair but i don't think i i i think it's it's something that can still be subliminal i think it's something that that people are talking about yeah and it's if started. his whole point was to break to i didn't was... even know
0: that until uh, colin kaepernick i didn't know that star spangled banner had four verses who knew that the third one brags about slavery like I mean, he did create a conversation about. Oh yeah, uh, like know. our
1: money has slave owner, yeah. uh, slave owners on it. You know what I mean? It's like that's that's a part of our history. But I've seen a lot of debate too about like, well, okay, the hypocrisy of this. A lot of the other, you know, uh, NFL stars are talking about this, like Drew Brees. Um, a lot of the the NFL analysts are talking about this and saying that they don't respect his decision for doing it right. because it's hip- it's hypocritical. Right. It's like this is the flag that represents your freedom of speech, and you're. You're acting in a freedom of speech, but you're not going to salute what allows you to do this stance. Like that's a little bit hypocritical. But I think he's exercising. He's exercising it, but it it can go either way. I think you're. This flag represents freedom of speech. You're not going to support that flag. Yeah well, is, is it the chicken or the egg? It's like, all right, well, well which...
0: the What he's saying is it represents a whole other, a lot of other things besides freedom of speech that right. he doesn't want to stand for.
1: Because to me, I respect his motivation behind it. I understand that there's a lot of horrible things that are going on in this country for minorities and for people of color. I get that. But to me, everyone, the, the flag... Symbols mean different things for different people. Yeah, Semiotically, it's just like there's things that can just mean you can take from it whatever you want. For me, I like to look at the flag as, and I'm a person of color. Like, I'm a black female. My dad's a Vietnam veteran. He was born in 45. My mom was born in 45. She's from Selma, Alabama. She remembers not being able to drink from certain water fountains. She tells me these stories all this time. My dad's a Vietnam vet. Always give him something Memorial Day, Veterans Day. All of, all of that stuff. And his take on it, like they understand that there's still oppression. There is still a lot of injustice going on in this country. But to still not understand that this, the flag can symbolize the promise, the hope of what this country is supposed to be, mm-hmm. our ideal vision of this country. That's what it represents to me as opposed to the negative side of things so for him if this was to bring awareness to it he succeeded yeah he did it but at what cost because now it's a and what so now what are you going to do and at that level if you don't have answers if you don't have solutions like what does this mean does this mean all right is it go vote is it go to your nearest uh, you know, congressman, is go right. to your local. This is it what What now? Because this is affecting his team now. And well, it's that's the that- part
0: I love about it being a Rams fan, right? How it's affecting the 49ers. <laughs> now, on the one hand, I, I like, I totally respect his action. I think the result has been a very productive conversation among um, a populace that doesn't necessarily like to talk about you know, uncomfortable truths about America. But on the other hand, I del- I delight that more disarray has um, be- yeah, the befallen the yes. arch nemesis of the L.A. Rams. I mean, just in, um, you know, just watching the 49ers slip more and more into irrelevance um, brings me uh, no shortage Great joy. of joy. <laughs> I mean, the Chip Kelly mess is yeah. already battling with the GM and all those those all those premature retirements and Chip retirements Kelly's race a,
1: history and that whole has, issue too, you know. And so it's like this is now an that's organization. That's probably why he's afraid
0: to say anything.
1: Right. I feel like
0: he's he would yeah, cuz he's been He's already been uncharacteris- uncharacteristically mum, I think about uh Kaepernick since, you know, since the uh, press conference.
1: Sure. And it's just I couldn't help but think of to Michael Sam because it's like if the 49ers were to cut him they would get crushed in the court of public opinion, and to me, when Michael Sam was drafted, what was that two, three years ago? Yeah, when he was drafted, it looked like 100% a hundred percent a positive PR move. Like, look, we just drafted an openly gay person, mm-hmm. ta da! And then, regardless of whether or not he could actually play, and then he gets cut, and people are like, "What?" And that all of that all of that positive PR just. That quickly turned into negative PR. I was like, "Oh, you cut him because he's gay." Well, maybe we cut him because he couldn't play. Yeah. Like, how about that? Yeah. And he just happened to be gay. Yeah.
0: yeah.
1: And how about that? Like, how can we could just how live are that San along?
0: Francisco going? How is this going to play out? It's that's a great question. I think it's, I mean, he claims Kaepernick claims that he's gonna, uh, he's not gonna, he's s- he's gonna
1: continue to sit. So like, what con- happens until
0: to- he sees real change in what? America? Well, I mean, right. which is like, I mean, I so nebulous and strange it, it, that's what i'm saying like, it's like unless if he does if he does see the real change then he's going to be viewed as like a traitor and a sellout if he starts saluting the flat the, at the, the star spangle banner right again, if he doesn't um it's just, how long can this thing that's go why on? he
1: hasn't defined what this stuff looks like it's like he said "Oh, i just want to bring awareness like okay will
0: other players join him that's there has question. been
1: one right uh tavares i think
0: he 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 recanted we're not one thing we're not mentioning by the way the episode before this one on hard knocks is a moment where jeff fisher gives instruct It is a total coincidence not just Mm -hmm. because we're not just saying this because it's a ram show but like literally on hbo Mm -hmm. um fisher gets the team together to give them instructions on how to stand during the star spangled banner and explains why he does – why they do this as a team as a respect thing, a self-respect thing, a respect for teammates, respect for the game, and then finally says in respect for the country. But it's sort of almost like an afterthought in Mm -hmm. his – they they asked Fisher what he thought about um, the stand Kaepernick took. And he – you know, Fisher, always a a player's coach, Um, you know, Definitely didn't condemn him. It definitely, you know, fell into that. It's his right to do what he wants, but added on that if it were to happen on his team, he would hope that the player would come to him first to let him know that he was going to do this. Fisher was really supportive to the five Rams that did Hands Up, Don't Shoot um, two years ago, which in a lot of ways really ignited all of this um, mm-hmm. um, or reignited it. And I think what's also Interesting about that. They were mostly, it's actually, we're coming full circle because it was mostly Rams wide receivers, <laughs> like scrubby wide receiver. Like it was Chris Gibbons, Stedman, mm-hmm. um, Kenny, Jared Cook, who's gone, who thankfully he's gone, and um, who's a, oh, and Tavon. All right. Mm-hmm. So you, there was one good player there. That song means. In our final segment, which we call Film Study, we dissect an episode or scene from a film or TV show that prominently features Los Angeles Rams. Thankfully, there are thousands to choose from, many of which we've chronicled on our greatest show on grass, Tumblr. The penultimate episode of Hard Knocks came out this week. Another terrific episode. Let's first talk about what wasn't there. Well, it didn't seem like the show's producers had enough time to juxtapose Colin Kaepernick's refusal to stand for the Star Spangled Banner with Jeff Fisher's speech just the week prior about how to properly stand for the Star Spangled Banner. I thought that was an incredibly interesting and fortuitous uh, juxtaposition that might have been made. There was also... No celebrity sightings. That sort of bummed me out. Um, no celebrities appeared at Rams camp. Um, unless, of course, you count Ariel from The Little Mermaid, which, of course, you should. There's also, perhaps more seriously, no self-consciousness about the weirdness of Ian sayo's quest to play in the NFL when his uncle... Hall of Famer Junior Seau suffered chronic brain damage as a result of his time in the league that has been linked to his 2012 suicide. Well, that's what wasn't in the episode. Now let's talk about what was in the episode. Well, what was there was finally a full-fledged acknowledgement that Jared Goff isn't going to start the season at quarterback. It's about time. Also, a trip to In-N-Out Burger for $76 worth of burgers. Uh, Brandon Fisher and a group of members of the Rams organization got on a golf cart in Irvine and went through the drive-thru. I was hoping they went to Carl's Jr. for the California Classic. Uh, Todd Gurley uh, is the uh, spokesman for that burger, but... As we've discussed on prior episodes, Todd Gurley can't seem to catch a break. Um, Also in the episode, Duke Williams, correctly spelling the word quesadilla. This is no small accomplishment on a team in which players don't know that the sun rises in the east and sets in the west and that dinosaurs once roamed the earth. Uh, there was also narrator Liev Schreiber calling Tavon Austin a pint sized pugnacious dynamo, which um, I thought aptly captured uh, the personality and playing style of, of Tavon, who recently re upped with that uh, contract extension. And also in the episode was an ominous black crow hanging around Irvine and symbolizing the impending cuts to the LA Rams roster. And there was a game of Jeopardy, emceed by special teams coach John Fossil, who entered the team conference room on a surfboard, held aloft by a bunch of players. So I thought I'd end this episode by playing a little Jeopardy with you. In honor of Hard Knocks, and the fact that this week the roster will be going down to 53 we're going to be saying goodbye to a number of our own players. So I arranged this little game um, in honor of those players. So first, I'll give you a clue, and I'll, I'll give you a couple of seconds to answer. And, of course, please remember to phrase your answer in the form of a question. Here we go. Of him, one Rams coach said, quote, I see a lot of similarities to Terrell Owens. The way the kid goes and gets the ball, the physicality, the desire. He has a chance to be special. Okay, we're starting out with an easy one. I'm going to give you a few seconds. The answer is, who is Brian Quick? That's right, Brian Quick. Second round pick out of Appalachian State in 2012. We're getting going to get harder as we as we go on in this quiz. Uh there're going to be 6 questions in total. So number 2. These two current Rams have fathers who played baseball in the major leagues. That's enough time for you. The answer is who are Jared Goff, whose father Jerry played catcher for the Expos, Pirates and Astros, and Corey Harkey, whose dad, Mike, played for the Cubs, Rockies, A's, Angels, and Dodgers. Okay, that's two. Question number three. This fringe receiver currently wears the same number that Rams greats Kenny Washington and Kurt Warner once wore. That's enough time. Who is... Mike Thomas is the answer. Sixth round pick out of Southern Miss, who might be on the bubble this week. Halfway through the quiz. Hope you're doing well. Question number four. These three players competing to play on the Rams roster each have relatives who formerly played on the Rams. Time's up. Who are Aaron Green? nephew of former Rams cornerback Gary Green, Garrett Reynolds, nephew of the famed Hacksaw Reynolds, the linebacker for the Rams, and Austin Hill, son of former elite blocking tight end David Hill. Question number five. These Rams have been arrested for off-the-field altercations. These are current Rams, I should add. Arrested for off-the-field altercations. Okay, that's enough time there. The answer is, who are Mo Alexander, safety Mo Alexander, that is, Tyler who the rookie tight end, and... Duke Williams, wide receiver, who is probably also on the bubble as we enter the final cuts. Here's our final question. It's actually the toughest question um, in this brief quiz. Here we go. This Rams guard is not to be confused with the actor of the same name who had starring roles in such 70s hits as M.A.S.H., the long goodbye, and Nashville. Okay, you're probably not going to get this one, so I'm not going to give you any more time. The answer is, who is David Arkin? David Arkin, a fourth-round pick for the Cowboys out of Missouri State in 2011, who's trying to earn a spot on the Rams roster. He's actually, uh, last week's game against the Broncos, he, he earned one of the top, Offensive grades from Pro Football Focus. So, okay, that's it. Six questions. If now, if you got one or two right, um, probably you have a healthy relationship with with your love of the Rams. Three or four, well, maybe you could use a little more, maybe balance in your life. A hobby. Uh, I I recommend bird watching, or wood carving, or talking to a spouse. Uh, and five, or uh, if you got five or six right, well, um, I have no idea uh, why you're even listening to this podcast. The Rams released a 607 page media guide this week that you probably should be memorizing. Thank you for listening to the Greatest Show on Grass podcast. Please subscribe on iTunes, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, and spread the word to friends enjoy football, Hollywood history, and the Los Angeles Rams.